We're so glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message from Bethel Worship Center. Uh, We pray that it blesses you wherever you are in your faith journey. Uh, We do want to let you know that we are open. Our campus is open. Uh, We invite you to go to bwccamden.com. You can find out everything that we're offering right now at this time and in this season. So make sure to, to, to go there and find the ways that you can stay up to date with everything happening at Bethel Worship Center. But again, Uh, Wherever you are in your faith journey, whether you are uh, exploring more about faith, learning who Jesus is, learning about God, uh, you're new in your walk with Jesus Christ, or you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, we pray that today's message blesses you, it encourages you, it equips you. So God bless you. Thank you again for taking part. Well, do you know anybody that is that you would consider a bold person? Like when you think about them, you 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 think. Boldness, like that's the characteristic that comes to mind. You know, maybe you have someone that comes into your mind immediately. For me, you know, there, I do know that there's, there's people who are bold, but there's a fine line in my, my perspective between boldness and stupidity also, <laughs> because there's some things that people say they're bold and they do, and I just think they're stupid and do them. So, I mean, there is that, that kind of fine line uh, in, in that regards. When I was a youth pastor, I read this, uh, this book. Um, I did read more than one book as a youth pastor, but when I, I read this book. It's, it's by a couple of brothers, last name Harris, and it was called Do Hard Things. Um, they started, uh, it, it was talking about something they were starting. It's called The Revolution. Uh, and so they had a website, therevolution.com, R-E-B-E-L-U-T-I-O-N.com. And basically the way they defined that was it was a rebellion against low expectations in their generation, right? which is awesome. And so that was back in 2008 when they wrote that book and I read it. And so I went and looked to see if it was still ongoing and still active. And I was pleasantly amazed and surprised it is still ongoing, still active, still taking place. And you can go to that website and see stories of people from, the younger, uh, from youth, from younger generation, doing amazing things with courage and with boldness. For the gospel of Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. So it's awesome to see. They, the, Chuck Norris actually wrote the foreword for their book. So that's probably why it's still going today. Because Chuck Norris wrote the foreword for it. But, <laughs> but they, wrote, they made this statement in their book. They said, the fence that keeps us from breaking out of our comfort zone is nearly always built of fear. Fear of weakness, discomfort, failure, and humiliation. And I thought... That's a very true and profound statement. We do. We build up fences of fear around our lives that keep us from doing things. Another statement they made in their book was something that they said their dad always told them, that true courage is not the absence of fear. It's refusing to allow, to allow fear to control your actions. And I love that. And in fact, last week we actually looked, began looking in the book of Acts In chapter 4, we'll go back to that here in just a moment this morning. But we began looking at at Acts chapter 4 and we saw Peter and John, who were two men that did exactly this. They did not allow fear to control their actions and they acted with boldness. And we said they acted for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the community, for the sake of the one that they had a chance to be a part of and impact their life and for the sake of the church. 
If you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and either watch or listen or whatever to that message. You can pull the, you, you can get a hold of our messages in, in multiple ways. You can see that online on our website, but uh, there's so many different ways you can uh, have them come to you and come to your phone even. But I encourage you to go back and watch or listen to that because it really kind of, it was my setup for where God is continuing to take Bethel Worship Center and what he's doing and my, my call and my ask for you to be a part of with us. Uh, but this morning, I want to look at what happened next in Acts chapter 4. So today, you can kind of consider a day a sequel to last week. But I want to look at what happened next in Acts chapter 4 after Peter and John were released and they went back to all of their friends. They told their friends what had taken place, what was said. And I want to see what happened next. And I want us to see more about this concept of boldness. So I'm going to walk through this passage in Acts chapter 4. So I know sometimes, you know, people get a little antsy when I stop and pause and talk about a verse and, you know, but just stay with me, all right? So we're going we're gonna to look at a verse and talk about it a little bit, but, but we're going to get something from this this morning, okay? So Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 23, it says, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Now, I want to pause right here, and I want us to think about it for a second, all right? Put yourself in Peter and John's shoes, and think about it from your perspective, okay? I'm going back, and I'm telling those that I'm, uh, that, that I'm a part of life with, I'm telling them what happened. I'm telling all those in my group, all those in my community, uh, that what is taking place and what is happening. Or maybe you're in that group, and Peter and John are coming back to you, and they're telling you of what's taking place. I want you to think, what would be your mindset in that point and in that time? What would you be thinking? You know, I think if we look across our culture today, there are a lot of different responses we might see, okay? For some, as soon as that word comes back and they tell them the threat that they were given and what they were told, someone will be saying, get your guns, boys, let's go, right? Now, that is not a political statement for or against guns, all right? Don't read into that at all. What it is, it's a statement that that's what rouses us up, and some of us, we're ready to fight when the threat is given to us, Right? Some of us take more of a passive-aggressive approach, and we want to say, all right, we need to let everybody know how this upset us and offended us. Let's get on Facebook and Twitter and tell the world how outraged we are, right? That's more of the response that, that we take. Maybe you might be sitting in the back of the room and thinking, I know how we can stop this. Let's just stop letting Peter go out because he's the one that gets us into this situation all the time, all right? So let's just keep Peter here, Okay. But let's look and see. Let's see what their first response, what their initial response was to the threats, to the accusations, to the things that were being said to them. Verse 24. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in what? In prayer to God. So what was their first response? They said, let's pray. We need to pray. We don't need to start bellowing out What's first initial things coming into our minds and what we think we need to say, we need to pray. Let's spend some time in prayer, right? See, when we are walking with the spirit, prayer becomes a natural reflex in our life to the situations and the things that are happening to us. We become dependent upon him and upon the Holy Spirit. Prayerlessness is not a self-discipline problem. Prayerlessness 
is a relationship problem. When there is a lack of prayer in our life, there's a problem in our relationship with God. Yeah, I know in the South, especially, we love to say that duct tape fixes everything, right? And, and as much as duct tape does fix, right? I mean, there are some limits on what, what it can do. You, you can only put so much duct tape on the outside before the inner problem is going to have an effect. There's only so many outside masks that we can put on things that are going on in our life before the internal absence of prayer begins to take effect. So every day that we get up, every day that we walk and we live, we need to, to say, I need God. We need to wake up thanking God. We need to wake up praising God. We need to wake up putting ourselves in his presence and understanding that I, I can only do so much on my own in this life. Uh, what my own abilities is going to take me only so far. I'm only going to be able to handle the pressures of life so much. I need God. I need God in my relationships. I need God in my career. If you're married, you need God in your marriage. If you have kids, you need God as a parent. We need God. So rather than and thinking and, and asking, what do I need to do to become better at praying? What habits do I need to create to become better at praying? Those are good questions to ask. There's good things to look at. But the first question we need to ask ourselves is how dependent am I on God? Who am I putting more dependence on in my life? Am I putting more dependence on myself and my own abilities? Am I putting more dependence on the people around me in my life? Am I putting more dependence on my job that I have? Or am I putting all my dependence on God? Because when we depend solely on God, prayer will be a natural reflex in our life. And that's exactly what's happening with these guys. The first reaction, they're getting threatened. They're being told, if you keep doing this, this is what's going to happen. And they say, let's pray. Let's pray. So they begin to spend time in prayer. So let's look. Go back to verse 25 or 24. It says, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord... Hear their threats. Give us your servants. Stop. Give us what? What are you going to pray for? What are you praying for right here? God, every time we go out, protect us. Guard us. Surround us with a hedge of protection. Keep us safe from those who give us the threats. Good prayer. Nothing wrong with that prayer. Maybe that's their prayer, right? Maybe their prayer is, God, you know how evil these leaders are. God, kick these leaders out of office and bring other leaders into this place that are going to do more to, to, to project the gospel of Jesus Christ and to follow the, the gospel of Christ. That's their prayer. Good prayer. Is that their prayer? What do they pray? 
O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, boldness in preaching your word. Boldness. Give us boldness. This is one of those moments that you, you kind of go back to Arsenio Hall in the 90s. It's one of those moments that makes you go, hmm. Because it's one of those things where you're thinking, boldness? Isn't boldness what keeps getting them into the situations that they're in over and over and over again? And they're praying, God, give us more boldness. But see, before they prayed for a positive outcome around them, they prayed for a faithful spirit within them. Before, before they prayed for God to do something for them on the outside, they prayed that God would give them boldness on the inside so that they could respond no matter what the circumstances were, no matter what the situations were, no matter what they were facing. They prayed for boldness. And then let's look at two more verses and see what happened here. Verse 30. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Now, we're going to come back to that verse in, in just a moment. But I want us to think about what boldness and courage, where it came from in these guys. Because I think we see where boldness is coming from. And there's several things even within their prayer that we can glean from and we can learn from to see where boldness can come from in our life. Now, one of the first things is they believe in God's sovereign purpose. They believed in the sovereignty of God. We saw when they first began their prayer in the New Living Translation, it says, Oh, sovereign Lord. You know, some of your translations may just simply say, Oh, oh Lord. But the, but the reality, the concept, the belief, the, the, the depth of calling him Lord is expressed there in Oh, sovereign Lord. And you see that later in the verses after they recite what had happened in history and what was taking place even right now in their lives. What did they say? They used this phrase. They said, everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. So they knew that God's hand was in everything or or, or nothing that was happening was a surprise to God. So what if, what if our first thought, when things begin to take place in our life, What if our first thought was God is sovereign and everything that we are facing is not a surprise to him. So God can take this problem and accomplish his purposes through it. How would our perspective change if we saw the sovereignty of God in everything that we faced? And you may be aware of the, of Psalm 46 verse 10. If I just say that verse, it may not come to your mind immediately what that is. But if I tell you the words, you probably think, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Be still and know that I am God. And oftentimes when we hear that verse, we often think of a peaceful scenery, serenity, drinking our coffee by fire, right? It's just be, deep breaths, peace, be still, know that I am God. That's what we're thinking. But have you ever really read the whole chapter and seen the imagery that's going on from that. Let's look at that just real quick. Psalm 46, 
verses 1 to 3, just listen to some of these words. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come. The mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. That's not peaceful imagery, right? Verse 5, he says, God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos. Their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders. The earth melts. Again, not a lot of peaceful imagery. But then when you keep going in verse 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. And then what does he say? He says, I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. See, in other words, what he's saying is, there's a lot of chaos going on around you. But fear doesn't have to take root in our heart because when we know that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that none of the chaos surprises him, we can be still and trust in him and know that he's going to be honored. No matter what's happening around us, he's going to be honored throughout everything. And yet many of you remember the story of Jesus. You know, Mark records it in his gospel. We see it in Mark chapter four. Jesus had been doing a lot of ministry. He had been speaking. He was tired. He needed to get away from the people for a little while. And so they got on a boat. They went out on the water and all of a sudden a storm came up and Jesus is sleeping during this and the disciples get nervous. They wake Jesus up. And what does Jesus do? He stands up and he says, peace, be still. Very similar to what the psalmist is telling us in, in that situation to look at the chaos around you and say, be still. Jesus is saying, be still. He's exclaiming it. Be still. The, the imagery that comes to my mind, you know, I think as a, as a dad, you know, when you go on road trips and you got kids in your car and they get a little anxious, get a, rum, a little rambunctious, they start going crazy. Maybe you, as, if you're a parent, you've said these words before. Would you just hush? Now, I've just heard stories about that. I've got perfect kids. I don't, that doesn't happen in my life. <laughs> but it's that, the imagery that comes for me in that is, is when chaos is taking place around you, when things are coming around you that want to bring fear into your heart, when all this stuff is, is happening around you, you can look at it and say, would you just hush? Because God is in control. God is going to be honored in all of this. It's what the psalmist was saying. It's what Jesus did. It's what the apostles knew. It's what the early church believed. That they could say to their thoughts, to their fears, to the chaos, be still. So before we try to fix the problem, reflect on how God's sovereignty is at work within the problem. Another thing that we see from them is they know the scriptures. Because as they're praying, they begin to quote some things that we can read in Psalms. They're quoting what had been passed down to them from generations, the words of those before them. And they're remembering these things. And so they're knowing scripture and knowing scripture is giving them a boldness to know of God's sovereignty. 
You know, the, the Bible is full of promises of God. If you were here on Mother's Day when Pastor Casey and Miss Judy made their announcement, Judy spoke and she shared about the promises of God and holding on to the promises of God. There's over 3,000 promises in the Word of God. There's a, there's a book that's actually online. I encourage you, you can go find it. You can bookmark it on whatever browser you use. It's called God Says Yes to Over 3,000 Promises. It's by a guy named Clint Byers, B-Y-A-R-E. S. Clint Byers. You just bookmark that so you can go back and you can reflect. It can help you look at the promises of God when you need to proclaim those promises over your life. But when you know the promises, when you know the scripture, there's a boldness that can be in you. And when we know the scripture, we know the scripture of the gospels and the early church that we have where we can see what Jesus did. And this is another thing that we can see, that we can learn that the disciples did, the early church did, that gave them boldness. We follow Jesus and we follow his example. And when we do that, we have a boldness within us. See, as they prayed this prayer after, in chapter four, after this, we see in Acts chapter five that they go right back out. They do exactly what they had been doing. They get called in again. They get spoken to again. And Peter addresses them again. And we see in Acts chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. Let's look at this real quick. The God of our ancestors, this is Peter. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. And this is probably where the people were saying, do you have to add this part of your speech every time after you killed him by hanging him on a cross? But then look what he says in verse 31. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince. And Savior, he did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. Why am I sharing you that verse? Because he's, he's giving them who everything they're doing is, is founded upon. It's Jesus. And he says he was our prince. That word prince is archegos in the Greek. And basically the way it's translated in different ways, it's used to describe a chief leader. It's used to describe one that takes the lead by setting example, by a pioneer, by someone who is the author of the instructions for something. So he's letting them know he's the one that set the example for us. And in fact, the Greeks who would use this word, the Greeks would use this word to to describe champions or heroes. It was a word that they would use to describe someone like uh, their mythological creature or, uh, or individual, Hercules. Hercules was a prince. He was a leader. He was a, he was the one for them that they would prescribe this description upon because of his great power. That's why the Greeks would use this word. They would express their great power. But Peter uses this word and brings light on Jesus in a different way, as a different kind of hero. He says, Peter, see, Peter heralds, heralds Jesus as a hero who used his power not to defeat his enemies, but he used his power to die in weakness to save his enemies. A total different hero. A total different example. Jesus didn't just risk his life. He gave his life. There's a different mentality upon risking something and giving something. When you risk, there's always that hope in your mind that a positive outcome is going to come in your favor. When you give, you're just, you're making a sacrifice. Through Jesus and through his example, And believing the gospel, it makes us both bold and generous. Generosity comes in our life because of the cross. Jesus gave his life 
So following his example, we give our life for him. But boldness comes from the resurrection. Because God took Jesus' defeat and raised him from it. And he can take our defeats and work his purposes through them. So we can walk in boldness. So we, we, we don't grow weary in well-doing. We keep sharing our story. We keep praying. Why? Because we know that God is sovereign. He's working through all of it. We know the scriptures and we're following the example of Jesus and boldness is coming in our life. But then another thing that happened. In verse 31, we saw it. They were filled with the Spirit. It said that the Spirit shook the room they were in and they were filled. And you can read that and you can think, well, weren't they filled already one time? We see it when, when the Spirit came in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. We see the Spirit fall on, on them praying in the upper room and they went out and they began to speak in tongues. We see all that. Listen, there's a lot of theological discussion and stuff that goes on around the baptism and the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot. And oftentimes when people start talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, some people get really tense. They get really nervous because they don't know where that conversation is going to go. What's going to be talked about? What's going to be said? And I get it, you know, the, through the name of the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of things that have been done in the past that have been a misrepresentation of the Holy Spirit. But when I look at the early church, there's no real fear or discomfort of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing that I was thinking this week, and as I was preparing for this message, if the early church, the disciples the ones who witnessed the death and the resurrection of Jesus, who saw it firsthand, and that firsthand visual should be enough to give them boldness if they needed the filling of the Holy Spirit. Should we not need it in our life? It's not something we should be fearful of. We should embrace the Holy Spirit and we should, but, but here's the thing. They didn't just go pray, praying and praying for the Holy Spirit to come and do all kind of stuff. They prayed for boldness. And then because they prayed for boldness, the room shook and the spirit filled them. And here's the thing too. If we allowed the Holy Spirit to shake us more, we wouldn't be shaken by the world as much as we are. So Holy Spirit, fill us with boldness and fill us and give us the boldness that we need in this life. So where does boldness come in to play in the lives and where does, where does it come from? How do these guys get the boldness that they have? They believe in God's sovereignty. They knew the scriptures. They followed Jesus' example and they weren't afraid to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this because I feel like there's a clarification that needs to be put out on boldness. Boldness is not synonymous with rudeness. Boldness from Jesus Christ, boldness through his Holy Spirit is not our permission to go say and do whatever we want in the name of Jesus. Peter, the one that, that we see right here in Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5, he wrote a letter. And he referenced this. 
in his letter. We see it in chapter 3, verses 14 to 16 in our Bible. But in his letter, he said this. He said, don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do it in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Paul would write a letter to a guy named Titus. And in our Bibles, in chapter 3, verse 1, where we read it, in his letter, he would write these words to Titus, and he would say this, Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what's good. They must not slander anyone, and they must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. And in a letter he wrote to Timothy, we see it in our Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 to 25. Paul wrote this in his letter to Timothy. He said, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. I like how he threw that in there. Not just be patient, be patient with difficult people. He's acknowledging (laughs) there's difficult people. Then what does he say? He says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. So our boldness is not synonymous with rudeness. It's not our permission to just go say and do whatever in the name of Christ. Our boldness should be clothed with gentleness. So if we're going to put feet to this today, make it applicable to our life, what would it look like for us to be bold as the early church was bold? Again, we need to know he's sovereign. We need to know the scripture. We need to follow Christ. We need to not be afraid of allowing the spirit to work in us and fill us. We need to pray just what they were doing. That needs to be our natural reflex. We need to do those things. But then practically, let me just give you these thoughts. Take advantage of opportunities when they're given to you and when they're put in front of you. When someone asks you or is expressing a situation that's going on in their life, pray for them. Ask them, can I pray for you? And then don't just say, I'm going to be praying for you. Pray for them. Right then, right there. Share your story when the opportunity arises. There's a gentleman that was talking to me this week and he, he's a boss on a plant. He has a lot of people employed by him. They had a new hire. He was walking this hire around, this young man. And he looked at it and he told me, he asked him the question. He said, you know what your most important job is? This was after talking to this young man, hearing about his story, his life. And this young man's probably thinking, well, if the boss is asking me, do you know what your most important job is? He probably wants me to say this right here, what I'm doing. He looked at the young man and he said, the most important job you can have right now is being a dad. Using his position to speak life into this young man. This is a guy that I hope I'm not misquoting his age. I believe he's around 60, but he's only seven years into the faith as a follower of Christ. But he's using 
the opportunities and what he's learned from following God in those seven years to take every opportunity he can to take any example he has to speak into someone's life. Share your story when it arises, but do it with gentleness. Do it with gentleness. Create opportunities. Get to know the people you live around. Take coworkers to lunch. Spend time with them. Have conversations with them, but don't force the conversation. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide the conversation and direct it. Get involved and serve in any way you can and say, God, use me. Use me. Show me the opportunities as I serve. Show me the mission in front of me in my life. Where can I give myself more than just in my career? And then just pray, God, fill me. Fill me with boldness to do what you have called me to do. Stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask you right now in these closing moments, Father, help us to make an altar in this place for ourselves. God, we pray today that you would give us boldness to speak the name of Jesus, to share the gospel of Jesus, to shine the light of Jesus, to not be afraid to be who you have called us to be as followers of Christ. God, we pray for boldness. We pray that you move. We pray that you move through us, that you work through us. Just as the church prayed in this passage that we read today. God, let there be healings. Let there be miracles that take place as your Holy Spirit works through us. God, we open our hearts to you today. We worship you right now in these closing moments. We seek boldness from you. We ask you to move in Jesus' name. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to request prayer or send us anything that you would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.